Hello everyone and welcome to the Phantom Galaxy. We are here at Halloween 2017. I'm your host Nathan Bartleball. I'm joined with Chris Durham and also with Seth Dombach. And we are here to do our kind of Halloween special episode. We did one last year. I think it was actually only like the third episode of Phantom Galaxy we ever did. So it wasn't much of a special. It was just sort of our third episode. But what we did last year is we did like what we considered overlooked horror movies, which then we made a point of saying it's not quite the same thing necessarily as underrated horror movies. Some of these movies are well rated, but in our estimation, either they didn't quite find an audience uh, or they're movies that there's a lot of people out there who still probably haven't seen them and haven't checked them out. And that would make pretty good Halloween movies, you know, movies to kind of take in for Halloween viewing. Last year, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get the episode out before Halloween. So if you want to go back to that episode, which was our third one, it's uh, is a lot of choices in there if you're looking for a yeah. Halloween movie. But we're hoping to get this kind of the, the rules. There are most of them are horror movies. There's a couple here that probably fall more in the lines of just good viewing for Halloween that they're tied into the holiday or tied into the genre in some way, but may not be. I have one on my list that I wouldn't consider in any way to be horror, but is very much tied to the holiday and tied to the genre. And you'll and when I explain, you'll know why it's on the list. But what we're going to do is just sort of take turns. We have 15 movies in total. Each of us have picked up five movies we consider to be overlooked. And last year we kind of broke them down into kind of subgenres like little monsters and vampires and stuff. We're not going to quite do that tonight. But we'll go around, we'll share, and we will share our own thoughts as we come across them. So 15 movies here. I think all of, all of them are good choices and the nice thing about them is they kind of come from all over the board or all over the spectrum this isn't just 15 art horror movies this isn't 15 old horror movies not 15 new horror movies it's not even 15 classy horror movies (laughs) 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 they're all over the map so uh, without any further ado we will go ahead and get right into it uh chris why don't you share one of yours off the bat sure uh this one i kind of want to get off off the top because I think as a whole, obviously, the series is well-known. Um, I think this one is kind of lost in the mix. Um, so, Friday the 13th, everybody's familiar with that kind of series in general. Um, but if you go deeper into it, like, people who are celebrating Halloween are like, oh, let me dust off my old Friday the 13th collection. I'll probably watch, like, one of the classic ones, you know, like the original or something like that. Or maybe, God forbid, the newer ones, just because they're newer. Um but I think one of the ones that may be overlooked is quite possibly the best one in the series to me, Part 7, The New Blood. Have you seen that one, Nathan? See, the thing with the Friday the 13th movies is they all sort of blend together. If it, <laughs> when it goes into space, I remember that and can distinguish it. <laughs> I remember the very last, or what was supposed to be the last one like six movies ago. <laughs> New Blood, in, if I'm completely off base, let me know. Is this the one where he starts to encounter like a psychic girl with powers? Yes. This okay. is why this one's memorable to me. This is one of the only ones I remember really like kind of enjoying and having fun with back in the in the eighties. And I think it's because in this one he actually has someone who's a nemesis. Like Jason actually has someone to fight who can fight back. And that's what I think is interesting about it. Um so yeah, it starts off with uh with a girl, um, and she's slowly you kinda see she's slowly developing like um telekinetic powers, um, through the death of her father, set something off in her brain, kinda like Stephen King Carey ish, I don't know. Um, but now she can, sl- in small ways, like light matches with her mind and stuff. Um, and of course, then you've got your, she grows up a little older. So now she's a teenager. So she goes to this camp, uh, lake with her mom 
And, uh, of course, there's a bunch of teenagers in the house next door. And so, of course, that's bait for Jason to come in and start uh, start killing them all. Uh, there's some creative kills in here, too. Uh, I remember this is the one uh, Jason had some particularly interesting use for the weed whacker. I remember that was pretty funny. Um, but then as the movie progresses, you know, and she sees all, oh, no, these teens next door are being murdered. What can I do? Then she has to fight kind of Jason towards the end of it. And I thought that was kind of cool because most of these you just have you have your final girl who survives till the end. But now we actually have a girl who can fight back. And so that, I always thought that was kind of a fun entry in the series and not one everyone's all that familiar with. Is this the one where he picks up, like, the... Uh, which movie is it where he's got the person in a sleeping bag and he's just wailing them against the tree? <laughs> that That is, there's also a sleeping bag wailing on the tree in this one, yes. Okay. I remember that. The being... best one, though, in my opinion, is when you're talking Jason X, the one in space, where they do a hologram of that. That was pretty That funny. was fun. Yeah, like an homage. What do you think about the Friday the 13th movies, or this one in particular? I've always been kind of a fan of those movies. Um, just, I mean, they're not good at all. No, yeah. But... They're they're fun. Like if you if you got friends around, just like some of the gore is cool, some of the kills are cool. Um, I, I'm preferential to uh, part four is one of my favorite mm, ones. I think that's, that's a good new one. beginning. Yeah, uh, with uh, Tommy Jarvis, Corey Feldman's in that one. That's that's probably one of the better ones of the series. It kicks but off I mean, the like, Tommy I, Jarvis trilogy. I would mean, like Jason goes to Manhattan when he like uppercuts somebody's head right off. So. Yes, <laughs> it's, it's it's not a good series, but I mean it's it's fun enough and it it fits for Halloween. Yeah, yeah, and I remember in the eighties, it's funny because everyone was in such a like moral uproar and fervor over these movies. <laughs> and I just don't think they realized yeah. how silly they were to kids even then. You know, yeah. like to me going to the video store and renting any one of these movies was almost like a reprieve from the really creepy, scary stuff, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, I never remember, you know, I was sitting down like, oh, we get something a little bit lighter. I guess Evil Dead is really the uh, Three Stooges of the horror True. universe, but Friday the 13th isn't too far off once you get outside of that first couple movies. It's, the first couple, there were moments that were kind of creepy in, in one yeah. or two. And it never gets the full-blown, like, Freddy when he goes into, like, comic killer mode. Well, like, no, that's just pure he's silliness. He's a strong, silent type, Jason is. Yeah. Uh, and, and didn't um, Halloween try to sort of emulate this at this point? Because Halloween yeah. brought in um, Danielle Harris as a young girl who was sort of like his uh, his nemesis. Although she was a bit younger, and I don't remember if there was telekinesis involved. I don't think so. But uh, the weird thing about the telekinesis bit with Jason is, in a normal terms, it seems really outmatched, right? Like, yeah. Jason just lumbers through the forest <laughs> with a machete, and this girl could be picking up trees and throwing them yes. at him. Like, <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a good matchup. Like, you're like, wait, how does Jason have any... Isn't Jason now the fish in the barrel? <laughs> like, yeah, like, weirdly, the series, like, it never goes into full supernatural territory, with the exception, obviously, of Jason. But it's always just, everything's grounded in reality. And this one, that's like, he could easily just be like a, a sock puppet thrown around all over the yeah, place. Yeah, that would almost be the, like, the the catch is, you know, he walks yeah. in and just gets trounced. Uh, I can see Freddy being a, uh, <laughs> a real foil for that. Yeah, these are movies that, like you say, they're just fun, like yeah. beer and pizza movies. There's not a lot else to them. But they're also kind of the, now looking back at them... They kind of harken back, I hate to say, to a gentler time, but kind of to a gentler time. Like, uh, I mean, what, Jigsaw comes out this weekend? Mm, Leatherface, the prequel, came out? I mean, 
I will take Jason, you know, uh, <laughs> any of the Jason movies over the, over either of those films. I'll give this credit, like I said, that none of the other ones really talk supernatural stuff. At the end of this one, Ghost Dad pops up to fight Jason at the very end. But not so, Bill Cosby Ghost Dad. No, no. Like the, the girl's dad <laughs> pops up, dead Ghost Dad in the lake pops up to fight him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. A lot of stuff has popped out of that lake over the yes. years. Seth? When I, I can't, like, when I compiled my list of Halloween movies, um, I just try to think, because when I think about Halloween movies, I think about what are good things that you could watch with a group of people that they can enjoy together. So that kind of, these aren't always my favorite horror movies, but I think that they would be fun if you're having a Halloween get together or a party or something like that. So I'm going to start off my list and I'm going to talk about the 2014 movie Creep, starring Mark Duplass and directed by Patrick Bryce. Um, so this is one of my, this is actually one of my favorite horror films of the last like 10 years or so. I just think it's a found footage film. Um, it's kind of about this guy named Aaron who's a videographer and he gets this, um, like this one ad for, uh, somebody looking to come and film him and, Mark Duplass is kind of the guy who uh, he says that he's got cancer and he's trying to make a kind of my life style film for his unborn child. And then you start to see kind of the cracks around the edges of, of what's going on in this story and how he's not all what he seems. And I don't want to give away too much without kind of spoiling some of the fun of this movie. But if you like found footage horror films, if you like something that's doing a little bit, something a little bit different, there's not a lot of violence in this movie, but there's a lot of actually creepy scenes within it. And it kind of juggles between horror and comedy in a really fun way. Um, so I really highly recommend creep. Have, uh, have both of you guys seen this movie? I have not seen this one yet. Yeah, I have seen it. I saw it a, uh, a couple of years ago on Netflix, actually. And strangely enough, I believe Creep 2... Now, mm-hmm. I don't know if this movie justified a... Se- not not in the sense it's not good, but it's not the kind of movie I would expect to see a sequel to. Yeah. And it didn't it just come out? I think it's available it on just, Amazon. It did just come out yesterday, and I will actually have a review up on our YouTube page here uh, probably in the next couple of days as well, too. Cool. And this definitely falls into... And it's probably the first one of those movies that we really had in the list. A uh, found footage horror movie, uh, in a sense. I, I found footage, to me, I don't even think found footage needs to have that conceit of, oh, we found this footage somewhere. Just that idea of that, like, it's filmed by a camera. It's supposed to be the document of what somebody went through, you know, mm, so to speak. Yeah. Um, this one's very different, I think. Sorry, I think dead people were literally speaking through your <laughs> your microphone just now, Seth. Did you hear that, Chris? Yeah, I did. It was very weird. Like, it was definitely like a whole litany of voices just sort of... Keep it in the podcast. Yes, just leave it in. Someone's going to be like, here's what they actually said. This <laughs> is White Noise 3. Yes, right. So, the... Um, never should have put that Hershey bar in my pocket. Anyway. Mm. Um, <laughs> that, is that a Hershey bar? you just glad to see me. <laughs> that's two of them two uh, well I brought them for us but that's not happening now <laughs> anyway the uh, creep it was a strange movie because Mark Duplass is you know he and his brother did all like a lot of the mumblecore sort of movies um, yeah uh Cyrus, Cyrus. Do you remember oh, Cyrus? Yeah. Chris, like with um, John C. Riley and Jonah Hill. Yeah, they do a lot of interest movies. I like him as kind of like an actor and as a personality. 
Uh, he's exactly. always usually like the laid back kind of guy. Uh, he was in a really good kind of creepy movie. It's not a horror film called I think the one I love. Yes, you seen that? Yeah. That's a very That's interesting really movie. Yeah. And but here he's sort of he, I wouldn't say he's playing against type because I can see him channeling a weirdo, but he's kind of that guy that you're just not real sure about. Like part of you wants to be sympathetic and kind to him because he seems like he's gone through a lot. And the other part of you is like, I don't really need to be anywhere near you. <laughs> they're, they're clearly on the outside of things. But the closer you would, they, they get into your proximity, the stranger things get. The nicer you are to them, the weirder they behave. Yeah. Um, uh, and in since I'm thinking of, Chris once witnessed this individual creep up to me in like a store... Yeah, and as I started to turn around, they literally ran and bolted. Yeah, didn't even say anything, just like ran. No. And sitting down watching this movie creep, I was having like creepy flashbacks of this individual the entire time. Mm. Yeah, it borderlines a lot of the movie borderlines just the un uh, that uncomfortable awkwardness that comes with being around a person where you're just like. I'm here out of a sense of duty, but I don't know what to do with you. And that point when you might be actually slowly walking yourself into actual physical danger. Yeah. And it plays that line pretty well. It's not, it's probably not at all what you're expecting. Um, I thought it kind of wound down eventually, because I don't know how you could keep the, 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 the impact going of what was happening there. It's such a like, it's such a tightrope walk. It's hard, I think, to make it super satisfying. But it's a good movie, and I, it, I'm interested to find out if the sequel is still good, because to me, at that point, you'd have to do a whole new set of tricks. Yeah. it's uh, I won't give any real spoilers away to Creep 2 in uh, this podcast here, but I will say that it kind of mimics another movie that we're going to talk about a little bit later on in this podcast. And once you see it, you'll probably know which one I'm talking about. But yeah, creep is like I said, there's not a lot of like really huge scares in it. There's some jump scenes. It, it is, it lives up to the name where it is just creepy overall. And I think it's, it's a fun movie. Um, I've, I've watched it a few times and there's a kind of a lot to digest in there. So that's, that's my first pick. And there's some deeply disturbing stuff with a Halloween mask. In this movie, in like a wolf Halloween mask. And he, there's one scene where he's just telling a story into a tape recorder, and I'm just like, my skin's crawling the whole time. (laughs) It's, it's very, it's messed up. Um, And it's a good, it's a good choice. It's definitely, is it still on Netflix? Yeah, it is. And and Creep 2 is actually coming to Netflix within two months. So if you don't want to watch it now on Amazon, it will be out shortly. I'm going to mention a movie called Ghost Story. And this is not the. This is not a ghost story that came out recently, uh, which I just uh, that I just saw. That's actually a really good movie, but it's more like a meditation on uh, loss and and death. It's mm-hmm. it's it does involve a ghost, basically a ghost under a sheet, but it's a totally different kind of movie. Um, and this is actually from 1981. It's around that time frame when we were getting. It's a little bit right before Poltergeist, and we were getting a kind of renaissance of classic old style ghost story movies. We had the Bradbury version of Something Wicked This Way Comes, which I know isn't ghost, but we had The Changeling uh, with George C. Scott. We had this movie, and so you were kind of just transferring from those older style haunted house stories to. Something a little bit newer when Poltergeist popped up, you know, mm-hmm. Poltergeist kind of kickstarted that more modern era of ghost stories and haunted houses. Ghost story, though, is 
really interesting in the way it's done. It's a very classically drawn story. You've got a lot of those images, the old house, the creepy spectral woman. Uh, you've got a lake with a sunken vehicle in it. You've got a group of old men who are hiding potentially a secret. And the way it's done, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it isn't better rated because to me it was always extraordinarily spooky. And the cast on this thing is crazy because if this were released, like, if they did this now, it would be kind of a big deal. I mean, this has Fred Astaire in it, has Melvin yeah. Douglas, all the... A lot of the guys of the old song and dance mm-hmm. school, you know, Douglas Fairbanks is in it, John Houseman. They get all these guys together, but instead of putting them in some kind of happy, dappy, you know what they would do now, they get all these people mm-hmm. together and put them in some kind of movie about the wonders of old age. It's a movie about a bunch of old men who are all tied together by a secret and are basically facing this dark specter who's kind of come back for them. Mm. And... Uh, the atmosphere is great. I, I compared a lot. I think we mentioned The Changeling last time. Probably. And if you're looking yeah. for a classic ghost story that's based more in just kind of the spooky ambiance of things, in that sense of dread, that the figure in the shadows, the the voice in the wind, the shadows at the bottom of the stairs, that sort of thing. It's that kind of a movie. Um, that being said... Alice Cridge, who I think we mentioned in a recent podcast from the Sleepwalkers, is in this film. Yes. And there's a little bit of, uh, you know, sensuality in it as well, and a sort of side <laughs> story that's going on. She's very good in it, too. Uh, there's a lot of strangeness going on in this movie, and it's definitely, it's unique, I think, but at the same time, it harkens back to, like, old Val Luton movies. It harkens back to... Uh, classic ghost stories and Ambrose Bierce and, and uh, Algernon Blackwood and things like that. And it just got lost in the shuffle, I think. Mm. I don't know a lot of people. Yeah. I believe you can you could probably rent it for a couple bucks on Amazon or something. Mm. It's totally worth it if you're looking for a really good classic ghost story. That does sound good. Fun. It's, it's a good movie. And uh, the book itself is pretty decent, too, by Peter Straub. Yeah, th- thanks for mentioning that. That's actually I forgot to mention, is that Peter Straub is the was the author of the original original book and it's definitely i think worth a worth a watch it's yeah, worth yeah. rediscovering i'm with you nathan i i'm actually kind of surprised that this one isn't better known because there's some really creepy imagery in this movie as well yeah and uh side note because we've been doing so much Stephen king stuff lately the screenwriter for this was lawrence d cohen not larry cohen uh who did Cue the Winged Serpent and yes. the stuff. But this is a guy who was the writer on Carrie and also the writer on the It miniseries from the from the um, 90s. Yeah. So, and uh, probably better left unsaid, but also the writer for the Tommyknockers. Definitely <laughs> better left unsaid on that, yeah. So, Chris, what do you have? I can see where I fit into this particular podcast because I think all I've got here is cheese. That's what I'm bringing. You guys get the, like good quality movies. <laughs> I'm going to bring some low, lower common denominator cheese here. Um, I want to go into possibly one of the cheesiest things you could watch for Halloween. Um, this is from the series, the Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I series, Zombie 3, 1988. Now, apparently, this is this and two other zombie movies were made, again, Z-O-M-B-I, within like 1998, or 1988, three of them in a row, <laughs> three, four, and five. Italian none zombies. Of them, none of them have anything to do with one another at all. So I wonder if they were like just stockpiling these movies. Ah, we'll put we'll slap this zombie title on it. This happened everywhere. I mean, the <laughs> yeah. it, the Italians were kind of classic for just churning out a movie and assuming it would have a market, 
and not feeling obligated to any title whatsoever. I mean, they could have called that movie Gone with the Wind 2, and they wouldn't have had any sort of repercussion. I mean, this, they wouldn't have had any feelings about it. Yeah, and like those, this is definitely, definitely a beer and pizza night movie. You have to have a few brews in you. I, search, the, search the poster online. It's a glorious, cheesy, like grotesque poster of like a zombie fist and like a bunch of people screaming and stuff it's, it's awesome looking. and if you're a hardcore horror fan you know exactly what we're talking about yeah. but there's a good yeah. chance that if you're someone who's just like hey I, I saw this maybe I can find a good you know horror movie or a, a fun kind of movie to watch you could check this out I mean if, you, <laughs> if you've got to watch an Italian zombie movie this That's one's right. not half bad if you have to absolutely the, uh, so, so the basic conceit of this the there's very little plot, but what plot there is involves like a terrorist having like some kind of infection that he got somewhere, and then the government killing him and burning his corpse. And so like this, the smoke drifts his like uh, the this infection across a small island, and so um, somehow the government's tied up in this. There's big government conspiracy involved, and it's really just focused on. A guy who's running the radio station, you'll hear him throughout the movie most of the time, like, saying things here and there. And a group of girls, like, going to the beach, running into a bunch of, like, military dudes who have no idea nothing's going wrong. So they're like, hey, let's just hang out with these girls all day. So it's literally just a bunch of kids dealing with hordes of ravaging zombies and nobody knows where they're coming from. Crazy, goopy special effects that look great. And really bad acting and really bad dialogue because they recorded... In Italy, when they made this movie, they recorded it, oddly enough, in English. But when it went to distribute in, England, in, in America, they had to redo all the dialogue because it just sounded absolutely horrible. So they had to like do English twice on this movie. Uh, so this is definitely like a cheesy one, uh, but I, I, I kind of enjoyed it, I'll be honest. You kind of left out, though, the best scene in this movie, right? Which is? The, the zombie on the bottom of the ocean yes. attacked by a shark? No, 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 no. There is a lake and zombies crawl out of it. Yes, Seth is correct. That's zombie too. Oh, I'm so sorry. Zombie Which is also known as... Please revoke my zombie license. Which is also known in America as zombie with an E at the end. Oh. Weirdly enough. But yeah, that's the one with the shark and the guy fighting the shark. But there's a lake with like a bunch of zombies crawling out and all the smoke and stuff. So I could see the confusion. But not like that, like really bad movie Zombie Lake, the Jean Roland movie with like the Nazi zombies at the bottom of the lake just grabbing at nubile women legs. <laughs> no. Does anyone know what not I'm talking that. about? I feel like I should have seen it, or I've seen it in a fever dream. You've almost made me add another movie to my list. Was um, it Shockwaves? No, but Shockwaves I was going to mention. Shockwaves, you know what? Let's just have an impromptu added movie to this list. All right, let's do we it. We will package it with Chris's. And it'll be like a double feature. Shockwaves <laughs> is a great like British zombie movie about Nazi zombies who come up out of yeah, the water. That sounds brilliant. Um, isn't Peter Cushing in this film? Yeah. This is a fun movie. I like this movie. Do you like it, Seth? I like it too. Yeah, I haven't seen it in years, but it's it's, it's an, fun. It's an you got an island, you've got Nazis, Nazi zombies <laughs> rising from the depths. It's got some good atmosphere to it. Maybe, maybe Chris, that should be our Halloween movie. We're that looking for something could to be, put. Yeah, um, Shockwave or Ghost Story, maybe. Um, so I'm sure you've seen the cover to Shockwaves, Chris. If you haven't seen the movie, <laughs> it's. I think it's Most on likely. Amazon. If it's not on Amazon, I think it's definitely on. Um, it's on Shutter or something, but it's. Uh, it's cool cover art, actually. So that's a if if you're in the zombie mode, I think Zombie Three or Shockwaves should kind of uh, you know it'll get you there. And um, I guess uh, 
I guess if you need something else, I'm just going to throw the title Dead Heat out there. <laughs> if you're looking for buddy cop zombie comedy uh, with a cameo by Vincent Price, check out Dead Heat. Yeah, there you def- go. Shockwaves. I have definitely seen the cover shot. It's a fun movie. Yes. It's a fun movie. <laughs> Seth, what you got, what else do you have? Well, I'll, I'll throw one other zombie movie into that hat real quick before I go into my next pick. But uh, if you haven't seen Return of the Living Dead, that's a really yes. fun zombie movie too. Um, but my next pick is actually from 1980, and it's John Carpenter's The Fog. Mm. Um, now, The Fog is such a fun movie, I think. Um, it's got a good cast in it, too. Adrian Barbeau, Jamie Lee Curtis, um, Hal Hobrock's in it as well, too. Tom Atkins. Um, this is kind of a movie that's... The great on Tom that. Atkins. Yes, yes, the great Tom Atkins. This is a movie that takes place on the uh, coastal town of Antonio Bay, off of California. They're having like, their hundredth anniversary, anniversary, and all this uh, weird activity starts to occur uh, at midnight, where these beings start to kind of come out of the fog. Um, and it turns out they're these, you know, ancient sailors who are haunting this bay area. Um, Adrian Barbeau, she plays like a radio host um, from a lighthouse. And it's, this is just a, a really fun movie. Yeah. Um, it's got some good creepy scenes in it as well, too. And I, I think it's just, if you haven't seen all of Carpenter's like early good stuff, this is a good place to start for a Halloween film. This has the spirit of Halloween baked right into it, man. This is oh, a, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, whatever you do, skip the remake of this film because that totally. is just complete garbage. That's right? almost a non-starter. Like that's barely yeah. a movie, honestly. That was yeah. like uh, Tom Welling from Smallville thought, "Hey, I might try to have a movie career," and that didn't. <laughs> Unfortunately, nope. was, I mean, he might have some talent, but that was the wrong uh, calling card for it. The funny because I think the fog in some senses is not an underrated movie, but I think it is underrated when you get to like Carpenter's uh whole filmography mm-hmm. it doesn't i don't know it's it doesn't, one of his best, rise, but it doesn't to seem to rise to the top yeah right? people always talk the thing and halloween and big trouble in china and i'm not knocking these movies they are they are in a lot of ways better movies um Starman's another one i think is kind of on the, it's not yeah. horror but it's also one that to me is underrated it's probably one of his better movies uh the fog though it's a cut above some of the other stuff that doesn't mm-hmm. you know and it's a fun it's almost just it's very pure in what it does. Like, you know, it really is yeah. just a creepy ghost story. But not but not like some sort of classic ghost story with all these great motivations. It's that pulpy, something something wet and dragging at the door, mm-hmm. scrabbling to get in kind of dime store horror novel thing. And uh, it's really cool, though. Like, just the, the opening scene... scene yeah. You could, the rest of the movie's good. You could lose the rest of the movie and just give me the opening scene of the old man sitting on the beach there Mm -hmm. telling the story to the young kids who were sitting there on like apple crates on the edge of the beach with the surf coming in. And he's saying, you know, just a couple more minutes to midnight, time for one more story. And you hear hear the watch click close. Like, Carpenter, I want him to come back. I want him to come back and do something really good. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, I think think he. In a couple years, or maybe sooner, we're going to be reading about him, and there's not going to be another... It saddens me there may not be another movie after The Ward. Mm. <laughs> uh, but The Fog, The Fog is good. And 
Tom Atkins, he came up on our list last year when Chris mentioned Night of the Creeps. He played mm, the cop yeah. in Night of the Creeps, and he's here too. And um, yeah, and and if you if we're doing a lot of packaging, maybe we'll get up to 20, 20 recommendations oh, after all. I'm just gonna say. <laughs> He was also the main star of Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, oh. which is the most fun sequel to a Halloween movie. Yes, it is. That, it I, is can, that I can think of. Yeah. It's it's uh, fun stuff. And and he, he's the star. So... Till Halloween. Yes. That song's so, always in my head every Halloween season. Two more days till Halloween. Halloween. Silver <laughs> Shamrock. But that is a crazy idea for a horror movie. I yeah. like that movie. It's, it's it, nutty. It decided yeah. to trade up like... Michael Myers for like a James Bond style villain, like, and I like that they the... they even tried to tie the series together because they have like a random scene they go into a bar and there's like and now the Immortal Halloween classic tonight on ABC yeah, is playing Halloween, so there's like a little trailer on the TV. But Halloween originally wasn't that like that was supposed to be the the plan for those sequels, or they were each supposed to be kind of their own independent yeah. film. Yes, and I think that that would have been a far better place to go. And here, all these years later, somehow Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. You know, yeah, like, right. they're still banging on that drum. Halloween In a three, Danny McBride written Halloween film. <laughs> I hope, I hope that we uh, can come out of that and say, "Hey, we were wrong about this." But me too. I know. Um, Danny McBride and Alien weren't great bedfellows, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> he was okay. uh, to be fair, he didn't write it, but um, yeah. yeah, his I, role in that was fine. His role in it was fine. The rest of it was not so hot, in my, my personal opinion. To do something a little bit different, this is a slightly newer movie. Um, probably the newest movie, the ones we've mentioned so far, which is a movie from... It's still, now we're talking, it's been like almost 15 years. Uh, 2002. A movie, called, uh, a movie by Larry Fessenden called Windigo, which mm. is very different than the other movies we've mentioned here. Um... It's it. I think it qualifies as a horror movie, but it's definitely a more sedate movie. I think in a lot of ways, and in in some ways, it's almost it has more the feel of a winter horror film than mm-hmm. maybe say yeah. a Halloween movie. But the reason it comes to my mind comes to my list something that that usually captures me or sparks my interest in terms of like thinking Halloween. So I always try to think from the child perspective kind of that like not a children's movie again but like the perspective of what most of my feelings of halloween are tied to being a kid and how i viewed Mm -hmm. the things of the adult world and how i viewed scary things and how i viewed fear all through the lens of being a kid and this movie um it's funny that larry fessenden kind of has this aura of being like a a a horror guy you know Mm -hmm. even though and and like this horror master even though he hasn't really directed all that many movies he's more a producer uh and he's directed movies and i don't think any of his movies he's directed have been like set the you know house on fire grade a classic you know Mm -hmm. they're all sort of uh you know some of the guys he shepherded in like ty west have probably been more successful yeah than he has um but there's something about this particular movie that i really like it kind of like to me, it kind of creeps up on you. And it deals with... It has some echoes of The Shining with Little Boy, mm-hmm. played by Eric Per Sullivan, who at the time this came out was a Dewey on Malcolm in the Middle. And I, <laughs> he's probably one of those kids that I'd like just puberty hit in every trace of like who he was as like <laughs> in the in the public consciousness just disappeared. Uh, he may I don't know what he's doing these days. I don't know if he's doing any kind of movie work at all. But he's the little boy... Um, I want to get this right. I think Patricia Clarkson is the wife. And father is, I want to say, Jake Weber, maybe? He was, 
He was also on American Gothic, the original like Sam Raimi, Robert Tappert thing with Gary Cole. So they're on their way to a cabin in the woods. But the cabin in the woods in this story isn't really these, you know, the uh, source of the spookiness. They hit a deer. This redneck guy was trying to kill the deer. He comes out of the woods, and there's sort of an altercation, and you're watching the kid view it. Uh, everything else that sort of happens seems sort of mundane. They're out in the woods. We see these uh, hillbilly characters sort of on the periphery. And the little boy at one point walks into a general store with his dad, and he's told the story about the Wendigo mm-hmm. and it being this kind of spirit of the forest. And at this point, you're kind of expecting a movie where this family's going to encounter the Wendigo, and it's going to be this kind of monster that we're familiar with in folklore. That's not really what happens, because sort of this tragedy starts to build that is all couched in real-world terms. Yeah. And we see how the kid is is uh, experiencing it, but where the supernatural starts to come in is very dreamlike and almost hallucinogenic, and like it's not That's what really I was there. Say, yeah. But as it starts to manifest itself, it seems to be manifesting itself through Eric Persullivan and the way he perceives the world. Mm-hmm. That's not to say there's not a monster. That's not to say there isn't horror. It's just a very weird... Very self-contained movie. I think if you're someone who kind of skirts around horror but wants to see something sort of original, something that, to me, builds a really interesting ambiance through a very low budget. Yeah, uh, yeah. Does a lot with very little. And I'm not saying it's as good in any way as Kubrick's A Shining, but it it's a similar take on getting into the headspace of a kid who doesn't quite know what they're dealing with. It, both in the internal of themselves and the out external world that's like closing in on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I definitely felt like it was while I was watching. It, it was like uh, I'm not. Tr- it felt kind of like fever dreamy when you were watching it because it definitely was for the eyes of the kid. He was trying to observe the world around him, make sense of it, and uh, it was making less sense to me. But it was like just interesting. Yeah, I don't know how effective it feels in the moment of the horror movie, but it sticks with you. Yeah. I think to, mm-hmm. to me. And I thought that he we watched it so long ago, and yeah. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. yeah, he did. He had a really good performance. Seth, have you seen this one? Yeah, I have seen it, and um, I, I feel the same way about you guys. It was it was an interesting story. Um, Fessenden, I think he's like obsessed with the Wendigo. Um, there's if I if you're looking if you like this movie and you're looking for one that's like more of a straight up just like horror, I would suggest it's not a movie, but it was from that Fear itself TV series. Yeah, he did a uh, an episode called Skin and Bones, which is pretty disturbing. It's got um, uh, Doug Jones who plays like, yeah. the Wendigo in that one. I remember yes. that one. Yeah. And the Wendigo creature, the 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 vision of the creature that shows up in this film is also the source of another Wendigo movie that Fessenden did called The Last Winter, which is yeah. has Ron Perlman in it and is a little more sci-fi. <laughs> did you see that one? I did not. Um, uh, interesting, too. I actually think this one is maybe the best of those three we mentioned, but uh, yeah. the Fear Itself episode is far more visceral, and Doug Jones is extremely creepy in that. Chris, what do you have? Um, I'm going to, again, go off the rails a little bit. Uh, I haven't really talked about, in, on the podcast, any, like, anime stuff. I'm not really a huge anime guy. I don't like a lot of animation movies. But this one is definitely a good, very gothic horror movie. Um, Vampire Hunter D. Bloodlust. I think it's the second one. Um, I, I remember the first one was alright, but this one is supposed to take place in, like, uh, distant future. And yet everything feels very old-fashioned. 
but like you've got townspeople, but they're riding mechanical horses all over the place and things like that. So at it this feels point, like it takes place in Midworld, <laughs> sort of like uh, the Dark Tower universe almost. Um, yeah, so you've got at this point vampires are an accepted part of life. They're kind of like nobles, I guess. Um, but people, townspeople, will revolt against them if they do certain things, like kidnap beautiful women and things like that and eat them. <laughs> So uh, there's this guy roaming the lands. He's, of course, the notorious vampire, Hunter D. And I think that comes from, a, it, he's a dampier, they call him in the series, like a half-vampire. So kind of like Blade, except he's much more pale and, like, pasty and classical, like, warrior style with a sword, you know. And a big um, hat. And a big hat, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this movie, the, the reason I bring up just the style of it, the animation looks very cool and gothic and Dracula-esque, like... Um, Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of comes to mind, even though it is, like I said, set in the future. Um, there's they fight all kinds of monsters, and uh, the 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 uh, evil vampire lord in this kidnaps a girl and he's taking to her space, taking her to a space station to become his bride or something. So it's very out there, but it's definitely if you want to see something really cool, um, visuals kind of violent, uh, has some interesting characters and stuff. Um, Give this a whirl. I think it's uh, it's definitely interesting visually. Uh, a neat little thing to watch for, for Halloween. Yeah, I remember seeing this actually going to the theater. I think the Charles Theater and, and seeing this movie. Mm-hmm. And the animation I remember being very... Um, very kind of lush for what yeah, it is. Yeah, like very uh, it's detailed not, for most of that kind of thing. Yeah, it's not as elegant as like the Studio Ghibli movies and things like that. But uh, it has that kind of classic anime look. I will say that like... Yeah, anyone who watched the Castlevania thing that they put on Netflix, like the mm-hmm. visual style is very similar to that. Yes. And I'd say I think the story in this much better. Yeah. Well, I'd agree. There wasn't much to that one actually. Yeah. It's almost all set up and not a lot of delivery. Yeah. Uh the but the template seems to be there. So if you enjoyed that Castlevania movie, I would say before that that showed up, the closest thing you had to a Castlevania, the world of Castlevania, was this Vampire Hunter D movie you're yeah. talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, it's violent. It's definitely not a movie for kids, but a teen, yeah. like a teen audience, would enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, really, violence is your primary thing. There's a lot of hacking and slashing of monsters, but yeah. um, it's so a, it's really a graphic novel yeah. kind of, you know, um, fun and. Probably a little more palatable than some other anime films if you're looking for it. And yeah. <laughs> undoubtedly, yeah. <laughs> All right, Seth. So for my next pick, I wanted to do. I wanted to at least have one thing on there that I think is kind of family friendly. Um, I think this is a good movie for kids who are, you know, maybe at least like eight or nine. I think they could handle this. And this is the uh, Leica uh, production company. They're uh, Paranorman. Um, this is a movie I think is a lot of fun. I'm a huge fan of stop motion animation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know like um, Nightmare Before Christmas gets a lot of love and deservedly so, but I also think that Paranorman is kind of on the same level as that movie. If not, I think in some ways better than that film. Um, this is kind of about a little boy named Norman. I think he's like 11 years old or so, and he's got the power to uh, talk to ghosts. And it's all about how these kind of zombies start taking over their town. And the animation in this movie is awesome. It looks great. It's funny. Um, it's not 
too scary, so younger kids can enjoy this as well, too, uh, as well as parents. Um, I had a great time watching this movie. I pretty much like anything that like is produced. Um, in addition to this, I say you could do this as a double feature with like something like Coraline as well, too. It's kind of in the same realm of like uh, scariness for kids. But um, like I said, I did want to include something for children in this as well, uh, too. So I think Paranorman, if, if your kids are kind of into like monsters and stuff, um, this is kind of a good way, you know, to, to bridge that gap for them as well, too, because it's a little bit more. Uh, than something that like maybe like a five or six year old might be able to handle, um, but it's not too scary that they're going to be you know staying up all night after watching it. What do you guys think about this film? I uh, I actually am not a huge fan of kids movies, but I love stop motion animation. I mean, I love Nightmare Before Christmas. This has been on my list for a long time. I just need to sit down and watch it because I know I'll love it. Oh you yeah, know? you you definitely will like this yeah. one a lot. Um, and I agree. I think this is as good as. And, and maybe better than Coraline and Nightmare Before Christmas, although I absolutely love those. I think they're all kind of at a higher level when you get to uh, inter- family entertainments, mm-hmm. if you will. Yeah. And, uh, and Nightmare Before Christmas is kind of on a different level because it's so uniquely its own. Paranorman, it's iconic, yeah. Paranorman is really, everyone goes on so much about, and I'm not knocking Saul, I'm so excited for Stranger Things 2 to drop, you know, I guess tonight, actually. Uh, but... Uh, Stranger Things and all these movies that kind of and it that, that rehash the '80s and kind of cash in on nostalgia. I think Paranorman uh, does that just about the best of any of those things, and yeah. it does it in 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 addition to telling like an original story. I think the thing that so surprised me about Paranorman is if you were to strip it down to what's actually going on, there's a real story, a real like horror story here, like the zombies that show up. Like, they find a way to make those zombies humorous. But those zombies yeah. are real... I, it sounds cheesy to say, those zombies are people. Like, they are... <laughs> they they have a story of their own. They have a purpose of their own. They're not... They're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And because they're the old, dead town elders, they're as frightened by what they find in modern times <laughs> as people are of them. But they're still zombies. They're still rotted. They're still shambling. And... They've got their own story. There's a dark, evil witch that's mentioned right at the top of the, the story here. She has an entire story, a very deep and dark and tragic story. And I'm, I'm making it probably sound more intense than it is, but there's stuff really going on in this movie that, uh, is, that is engaging for kids and adults. And the, like you mentioned, the animation is beautiful on it. But um, yeah, can't recommend this one enough. It's, uh, it's a great movie. As I was trying to come up with movies, again, I, I was trying to kind of cover a couple different bases. And one of those was trying to find a movie, too, that's just sort of out there that's fun. And, and really find something that it's likely that maybe people have not actually seen before. One that I I like a lot. It's a, um, it's a movie from the early 80s, probably around the same time as a ghost story. It's of unknown origin. Do you guys remember yeah. this movie at all? That's a great movie. I'm not sure about this one, no. Yeah, so this one I think may be available on Amazon. I'm not entirely sure. The star is Peter Weller, who went on to be in RoboCop. And it's directed by George P. Cosmatos, who did several different movies, Leviathan. The movie he's probably most famous for is Tombstone. He's passed away now, but this one is very, very singular and strange. It's about, it's really filmed in Toronto, but I think it's supposed to take place uh, maybe in New York. It's hard really to tell, Something but like uh, Weller plays a man, an architect, who has 
bought this brownstone apartment that he's trying to renovate, and he lives with his family. And uh, it, it's uh, his wife is played by, um, I think at the time, playmate Shannon Tweed or whatever, who now went on <laughs> to marry uh, Gene Simmons as Gene Simmons' wife or Gene Simmons' you know, significant other, whatever their situation is. But they are living in this brownstone apartment. He's got his life all together. And you've got this agent of chaos that comes into his life and just starts to kind of tear everything upside down in most some cases literally and it's a rat it's a (laughs) big rat but when i say a big rat i'm not talking food of the gods size of like or graveyard shift size of a volkswagen size of a couch you know or even the size of a dog where it's a it's a rat larger than your average rat but not supernaturally big yeah like puppy dog Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's a probably sized rat in New York anyway, mm-hmm. and it is uh, a little bigger than average. But there's only one of them, as far as we know. There's only one, and it just starts destroying things. Like his family goes out of town for a few days. He's there in the brownstone. It starts by chewing up his papers for his big uh, meeting, and uh, it escalates. It escalates quickly. (laughs) It's not that different from some of these horror movies where there's a guy who has a creepy tenant or a creepy, you know, uh, neighbor, and they start to get into the sort of war of attrition. That's this, but it's a rat. And it just, for what it does to his life, it's like so much more than that. It just keeps coming back again and again and again and you're watching Weller slowly lose it like his calm starts to splinter his sense of purpose with his job starts to fall apart and he just kind of becomes obsessed with fighting this rat and it kind of becomes this Hemingway man versus nature battle (laughs) with the rat but it's pretty creepy I mean there's some really grotesque scenes of this rat shoving itself into the pipes (laughs) and just you know finding its way into Weller's apartment, coming back again and again and again, and just won't, it won't desist. It's like Duel with a rat. <laughs> I love it, because he, he Robocops up at a certain point. Like, Yeah, he, there's definitely, you know, they haven't seen him in the office for a few days, and I just remember the scene of his, you know, his secretary sort of opens the door of his home, and he's standing there, he's sitting there quietly in the dark with shin guards, and a baseball bat that he's outfitted, he's torn apart a mousetrap, <laughs> and has fashioned the jaws to the back of it and filled it with nails and barbed wire, <laughs> and he's just sitting on the steps rocking back and forth waiting for the rat to come back. This, this movie's awesome, I'm not going to lie, I, it was great. I think we did a... I think we did a like double feature of this in Something Wicked This Way Comes. Maybe. I don't know. There was no connective tissue to those two. But, um, <laughs> Except that they're great movies. I, but, but Peter Weller is a good actor. Like a legitimately yeah. good actor, I think. And he's good in this. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wild movie. I would suggest you check it out if you can, Seth, when you get a chance to see it. Yeah, it sounds good. Chris, back to you. Well, it's funny that you mentioned rats. Um, I actually had no idea what you were going to talk about. But here's another kind of rat movie for you. Do you remember the name of the guy who was in uh, Stakeland? What's that guy's name? Uh, the main character yes. of Stakeland. Um, um, he was also one of the writers or, or directors. I'm trying yeah. to... He was also in that weird werewolf movie at the... Late uh, Phases. Late Phases, yes. Yeah. Well, he's in this movie. And Nick, also... Nick Demachikas, he's he's in a movie that I think Seth may have on his list. Or was involved in a movie that mm. Seth has. Uh Anyway, continue. Uh, so this is called Mulberry Street, um, and I first became aware of it was years ago. They did this thing, like eight movies to die for or something, some like 
cheesy promotional ploy to get people to buy movies that they normally wouldn't watch. <laughs> like, but this is actually like the gem of the collection. It was this movie about this like uh, people in the city living in like townhomes and like duplexes and stuff, and uh, turning into rat zombies. Like people slowly devolving into rat creatures. It was. It actually had like a lot of heart and uh, <laughs> heart to it. Oddly enough, like this guy, I think he was trying to protect his daughter, and the whole time he's uh, he's fighting all these rat people, rat zombie people. There was just something about it. Like it sounds like an outrageous and stupid premise, but the movie itself is pretty entertaining. Like it was pretty good. It's very low budget. It, yeah. the, the the rat zombie aspect is kind of interesting, but once it occurs. It's just sort of the backdrop for this. Yeah, it's and not it's, like the. It's, yeah, it, it loses its shock value after that. But like, it's still um, the the rest of the movie. There's actually a little bit of something to it. I think. Well, it's it focuses in on sort of like that that like Brooklyn neighborhood where everybody knows everybody. Yeah, and yeah. How these people come against something when something starts to happen, and uh-huh. Nick uh, Dimitri, who's the actor you were mentioning, and mm-hmm. he's also the one of the writers. Jim Mickles, the director. Uh, and he okay. went on, and, and Mulberry Street clearly kind of did strike a chord more than those other movies because he did go on and he made Stakeland mm-hmm. uh, and and several other movies. And he, you know, this guys, they were able to build a career out of this. Have you seen this movie, Seth? Yeah, I did see this. Yeah, this was probably that after darker eight films to die. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah, but um, I it, it's fun. Like he's a ex boxer, I think. Yeah, and his uh-huh. his daughter's coming home from the war, and their relationship is. You know, there's some poignancy and tenderness mm-hmm. to yeah. it, and there is definitely a scene where he's just running down the street, boxing rat zombies in the face. Yeah. Uh, there is that, yeah. <laughs> but though, as, as crazy as it sounds, I will not put this in the beer and pizza category. No, it's a I legitimate it's movie. It's legitimate, a legitimate yeah. zombie survival movie, and it's um, it's low budget, but I was pretty consistently entertained, and yeah. uh, it's creepy in its own way. Yeah, so uh, check that one out if you haven't had a chance. So I'll go up next then with my next pick here. Um, I'll, I'll go over some of my other recommendations that didn't make the final cut on here. Um, but the next film is something I think is going to be a lot of fun to show to people who have no idea what they're in for when they go to see this. Um, so this is the 1989 film directed by Brian Yuzna, um, who... <laughs> had a hand in some of those movies like From Beyond and uh, Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a movie called Society. Oh, uh, have both of you guys seen this movie? I almost watched that the other night on Amazon. It looks so bizarre. This I had need, not seen it before. You need to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is another one of those cases where the less you know going into this movie, the more fun, I, I guess I could say that with quotation marks, you're going to have for this movie. Um, just so you're saying I should you, uh, leave the room until you're done talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this movie's kind of, um, it's kind of about like a, a high society life where this, this uh this guy uh, named Bill, he his family's wealthy. They live kind of in a mansion out in uh, Beverly Hills, and he's a popular guy. And it kind of follows his story as he kind of gets into the behind-the-scenes life of what's happening in these high-society uh, lifestyle people. Um, and it just devolves into probably some of the craziest things that you'll ever see on film. And I'm not even saying that lightly. <laughs> I've seen a lot of crazy stuff in movies, but this – 
has like probably the last 10 15 minutes of this movie is just insane um and if if you have a group of people who've never seen this movie they're going to be glued to the screen and just be like what the hell am i watching right now the fact Um, that you said they will be glued makes it amusing in light of this film (laughs) yeah it'll take on a whole new meaning after that <laughs> but other than that too it is i think it's a, a pretty good movie other than it's not so much just the shock effect of that that ending but i think i think there's a good movie within this in this uh craziness as well too uh, what do you guys feel or nathan what do you feel about this one this is the best cronenberg movie that cronenberg himself didn't actually do. <laughs> yes. yes and it's like exactly. it's part way between Stuart gordon and cronenberg it's a weird you really do you you don't know anything about it Chris, really? The only thing I saw about it was the cover, and the cover of that movie is freaky looking. Like, like you said, Cronenberg, it's just like a bunch of flesh compressed on the box yeah. cover. Like, <clears throat> and you know, you often get horror films where they'll give you this cover to sort of like trick you into renting a movie that's yeah. like low rent and not up to the cover. Um, this film surpasses the cover. <laughs> um, if you, if you're listening to this podcast, we we often try to like qualified say well we're not really all about the gore and and this movie isn't in itself just all about the gore but if you are unabashedly like gore not just gore <laughs> but grotesque special effects is probably a better way to say it you will get your fill this the, the guy who worked on the screaming mad george he's worked on a lot of using those movies uh goes over and beyond <laughs> he, seth is not kidding when he says there are things in this movie you've never like seen before outside of a kid. Like I do, like back in my like crazier, crasser, like middle school days, I probably doodled some of these things on the side of my artwork, but never would have thought you would see it in an actual film. Um, this is also a good. This is a candidate, Chris, for, for the Monday night movie. So. Um, it's also got a really great line. I'm a real butthead. <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> yes, but delivered in but a. You'll you'll, yeah. you'll you'll enjoy it when you see it in the in the actual film. It's a mess. It's a no. Yeah, it's 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 in that like people talk about it in the same breath with stuff like From Beyond and Basket Case, but it's a even weirder movie than those movies. Mm. So oh, yeah. I will kind of put out that sort of warning that you uh this is strong material like this is strong stuff if you aren't if you're not really into the gore and the goofiness and let's face it a little bit of like frat style humor (laughs) yeah so i'll flip the script completely a little bit and go to a movie last time we had a decent mix of older films on the list um it's always nice to remember that there were movies made before 1980 or <laughs> <Yeah>. 1975. <laughs> and one of the, the movies I've got is The Curse of the Demon. Uh, it's also known as Night of the Demon. And this is a yes. movie... Um, have you seen this one, Seth? Yeah, I have. It's sort of a, a, a classic horror film in some ways, but I don't think in current... I feel like current standards, it's not mentioned a whole lot. Uh, It's a movie that if you saw some of the imagery or some of the demon, you would probably recognize the image and say, hey, I've seen this somewhere before in terms of like, you know, late uh, the late night movie might have had a picture of it or something. This movie's from like 1957. And... It's directed, actually, by the same director who did, uh, by Jack Chornair, who did Curse of the Cat, I mean, not Curse of the Cat People, excuse me, the original Cat People, uh, I Walked with a Zombie. 
So those are two movies he did under oh, yeah. Val mm-hmm. Luton. This is a little bit later, and it's actually based off of a story by um, M.R. James, who's a classic sort of ghost story writer, turn of the century, who who did a lot of like, even his own admission, he sort of referred to himself as like an antiquarian ghost story writer in the sense that his stories were supernatural, but they were often related to objects. Uh, Chris, most of his stuff was the basis for those um, Christmas ghost stories we watched, yeah, Whistle uh, and I'll Come to You, that watch, you know, so mm-hmm. that's the tone for this. This is based off a story called Casting the Runes, which is not so much about ghost stories, but actually it's a story about demons and about Satanism, and uh, sort of about about witchcraft, I would say, and you've got uh, Dane Andrews playing a character who's like the kind of, I don't say the realist, he's, the, he's, he's really out there trying to uh, debunk and prove that there that in a logical real world there are no demons and monsters and things like that mm-hmm. and so a lot of the opening of this film is sort of a setup between he and this sort of warlock character he meets who I, I would say would you say it's fair to say Seth that he in some ways he has the stylings of like an Aleister Crowley type oh yeah totally. uh, that's definitely sort of the vein they're going in Crowley he's sort of a uh, a self-proclaimed wizard, but he talks about all these things, and he's going to curse uh, the Andrews character and make it so that you know he will believe because his demon will come and basically drag him to hell. You know, mm-hmm. and in 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 the timeline and the way the movie progresses, it really isn't that far from like the the, the concept of the Raimi Drag Me to Hell movie, where you've got this almost window of time where you've got to unravel the curse. But how is that harder for someone who's who's a self-proclaimed skeptic to do when they don't even believe it in the first place. And the one, this movie I think is very atmospheric, not unlike the cat people, not unlike Mm -hmm. I walked with a zombie. It's creepy in its own way. It's also kind of humorous too. The the guy playing the, the uh, sorcerer is a pretty interesting kind of character and he plays it almost, you know, lightly at times. It's sinister at other times and makes for an interesting movie. Overall, I really like it. The one downside is that somebody told them at some point uh, the, the 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 demonic force is mostly invisible. But at some point, someone said we need to build a demon. We need to make a real giant demon. And there's a real giant demon in this movie. And um, it's not quite up to the snuff of the rest of the film. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but and, but it's still it's a kind of a fun image in of itself. But I really like this movie a lot, and this is one that like, yes, the subject matter sounds dark, but it's definitely it is a movie that's a little bit more friendly to younger horror fans, I think, because uh, given the time period it's made in, it's much more about atmosphere and scares and things like that, and not so much about um, a lot of violence or a lot of really dark material. Yeah. I think because um, I, I kind of toyed with putting some older stuff on my list as well too, um, but I, I ended up not doing that. But I will give some two, like three quick recommendations um, for older films. Um, first is The House on Haunted Hill, uh, which is Vincent yes. Price. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. That's um, awesome. 
Then I'll also say uh, Eyes Without a Face. If you haven't seen that, that's some that's got some really creepy imagery in that film as well too. And then uh, lastly, this is not so much an older one, but you might get it confused with Nathan's choice. There's also a movie called Night of the Demons, which I think is kind of fun too. <laughs> it's a little silly, but it's kind of and fun. it's it's uh now we're back in the eighties. Yes, I've seen the eighty horror yeah. film. Yeah, Night of the Demons. Uh, don't. Don't get them confused if you're trying <laughs> to write very different films. Yes, they, they are. Um, Eyes Without a Face is a great movie. A very creepy, strange movie. A lot, um, very stylish, very um, very visually interesting. You could enjoy that one almost just from the visual uh, mm-hmm. standpoint. Have you seen that one, Chris? Eyes I have not, no. But I have one to throw in there. Uh, White Zombie. A little like, yeah. uh, silent film. That's also like an interesting visual... With movie. with um, Bella Lugosi, yeah. yeah, yeah, and White Zombie and I Walked with a Zombie, two of those zombie movies that are like the true voodoo Haitian zombie, yeah, right. not yeah. the uh, Ramiro creation, which is fine, but like this is the 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 source, mm-hmm. if you will. And White Zombie is a pretty neat movie. Like yeah. it's it's definitely got a lot of. I'm glad you brought that one up. It's one of two. I think it's kind of fallen off the rate. Like back in the day, I felt like. You would often have it mentioned in breath with some of Lugosi's other work, like you could talk about Dracula mm-hmm. and Frankenstein and White Zombie, and I just don't, I don't hear it mentioned as much. Obviously, um, again, it's where Rob Zombie draws the name of his band, <laughs> yeah. uh, and an interesting side point. Like last time, we talked about a movie called Black Sabbath with uh, Boris oh, yeah. Karloff, yeah. and we made a joke like, "Was well, that the band?" And indeed, it is. What happened is uh, Ozzy and all the guys there, they were playing their first gig or not the first gig but where they were practicing was in a studio that was right across the street from a theater that was showing Black Sabbath oh, nice. and they kept seeing That's that hilarious. name up on the marquee and they're finally like you know what let's just go with it <laughs> <laughs> so indeed that movie did spawn the Black Sabbath title know? much like the White Zombies they were a so. Christian rock group apparently <laughs> right yeah. before that they were you know, they were God's little angels and they're like yeah it's just called Black Sabbath <laughs> we're gonna be the Ten Commandments guys <laughs> <laughs> right and then the movie changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so this one I was trying to think of one that works for a more broad audience. Like you guys, uh, this one's not necessarily a children's film, but I've watched it with people who are not fans of, of scary or gory movies. And it's it works effectively as just like a kind of a fun in-and-out horror movie that's got a few scares in it, but it's not going to like blow you away. Um, so if you've got some people that really aren't into scary movies and don't like to be disturbed in any way. This one's actually kind of just a fun little movie. Um, but it's a remake, uh, 1999 The Haunting, with uh, uh, let's see, who was in that movie? Liam uh, Neeson. Liam Neeson was in yeah. that. Owen, uh, Owen Wilson? Yep, Owen Wilson. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah. <laughs> they actually had a pretty decent cast. And, and Lily Taylor was the... Yes, I love her. She's yes. she's always good. Um but yeah, it's a story, a story about uh, a haunted mansion. Doctor decides he wants to try some kind of sphere experiments in there, so he brings some people who are a little psychologically damaged into the house to see if maybe he can push them just enough to get some interesting feedback from his studies, like his fear studies. So, um, and as it turns out, there are some things going on there. There is a little bit of like weird CGI in it at certain points, but I think effect it's for the most part relatively effective. It's um, it's fun to watch with people and just kind of like who who don't like scary movies and uh, see them get taken aback a little bit here and there, but not screaming. Um, so it's just you know I'd say uh, younger kids, but maybe not like you know 
five or six, but like when you get to around ten or something, I would say it's perfectly fine to watch with them. It's a PG thirteen movie, but it's not like too strong or anything. Um, just seems to be somewhat of a like a crowd pleaser, I'd say. Came out in ninety nine, which you mentioned. It's like that was like the suddenly there was that like really big renaissance of ghost movies and stuff mm-hmm. like all in like one summer or or supernatural things we had the mummy at the yeah. beginning mm-hmm. of summer this movie comes out like right around like the blair witch and the sixth sense it's mm-hmm. like in the middle of both of those movies and it probably did that one a disservice because blair witch a very different kind of movie totally. of course sixth sense a different movie and then the middle of the haunting which is really the like big budget studio movie mm-hmm. if you will a little more vanilla yeah. Than those, yeah and stir of echoes is the same summer and then uh, about a month later, you have the House on Haunted Hill remake, mm-hmm. which is the remake of the movie that you know yes. uh, Seth was talking about. And then that the Haunting is a remake. Well, let's say two things. It, it's not necessarily a remake, but it is a da- adaptation of the Haunting of Hill House, the Shirley Jackson mm-hmm. novel, which is made yeah. into a really good Robert Wise movie from like 1963, yeah. which I like a lot. And they're vi- they're two very different approaches to the same material because the Haunting. Uh, in 1963, is much more psychological. Like mm-hmm. not not that 99 version doesn't take into account like the characters, but like the thing I like about the Shirley Jackson story is really put an emphasis that the house itself is evil. It's been it, there's mm-hmm. something wrong with the house even before there were people who came into the house and caused mm-hmm. bad things to happen to it. That's an interesting motif, I think, in horror yeah, films. Sometimes you have a house that has become the sort like the Overlook Hotel. You're never really certain. It's what, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Mm-hmm. Did, did the Overlook become a bad place because of all the dark things that happened to it? Probably. Hill House seems like it was bad from the beginning, and it caused bad things to happen. Mm-hmm. I prefer the 60s version. I think it plays a lot more with the mind. The scares, mm-hmm. uh, they don't date because they're mostly played off of screen, you know, and they're more about a mood atmosphere. The haunting is just like they just went for Jean de Bont, who did the twist, <laughs> Twister movie. I kind of like they the make movie. a little fun house out of yeah, it. Yeah, the, I mean. the 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 um, Dante Peretti, the production designer who did this thing, is the real like star of this movie. Yeah. Like that house is a crazy mm-hmm. looking house. It doesn't look like any haunted house you've seen before. It gets a little Spielbergy for my taste. Yeah. Like you said, the effects are 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 kind of a piece of the time. But Lily Taylor's yeah. pretty fun in it. And the house does look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also um, I will say they are doing a remake of The Haunting of Hill House, which is coming <laughs> to Netflix. Um, it's, Soon, right? I, as far as I know so far, uh, yeah, I think so. I, I know Mike Flanagan, who just came out with Gerald's Game on Netflix, he's he's writing some of this as well, too. Mm. And I think Carla Gugino is going to be in this as well. Um, cool. So that should be interesting. Um, I, I, like the, I like the 60s version as well, too. That's it's, it's and this one's not bad either. It, it kind of reminds me; it's, it's almost like the um, the haunted mansion, but for older people. <laughs> well, it's yeah. In a lot of ways, it's the only good version of the haunted mansion we have because <laughs> they really they really botched that one. Oh I yeah, mean, that was a disaster. With a few changes, Chris is right. This is a milder movie. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a milder movie than Poltergeist. It either is, yeah. of the Poltergeist yeah. movies uh, or the the Poltergeist and the remake. Um, it's it's not too intense, um, and then. CGI probably takes away from a little bit of the rest of the dread. Uh, it's a good, you know, I would almost kind of say it's a good um, pairing with a movie we mentioned on last year's podcast, which was Don't Be Afraid of the Dark remake. Yeah, from 2011 right, yeah. with, with Creep. I like that one mm-hmm. a little bit more, but they're kind of that same thing. 
Um, I do think that one's actually rated R, so yes. be aware that yeah. one's rated R. I think it's a milder R, but that's still R, and this one is PG-13, and it's a probably middle-of-the-road PG-13. Yeah, I had to find something that wasn't dripping with guts to talk about. So. No, I, I, it's an interesting choice. You actually reminded me that it even existed, in a sense. Not, <laughs> no, I, I don't mean in a bad way, but it's just, you were, were looking for overlooked horror movies. It's an overlooked movie, but I when you're sitting here reminding me of it, I remember enjoying it. The last thing I'll say, I think it had, the thing I remember seeing in a theater, it had really good sound design, mm-hmm. yeah. like, which matters a lot in a horror film. few scenes, it really plays like, a Like, there's it, points yeah. when they hear things in the walls, and the mm-hmm. way the moving, and again, I don't think you can take away that Lily Taylor, like, I'd like, I almost, I think my thing was, I would have liked to have seen her in more an adaptation that was closer to the 60s one, because of how... How much she could have worked with that because mm-hmm. she's really yeah. good in it. Liam she Neeson is. is sort of on the you know all the people you thought were going to be like the main attraction to the movie are all kind of on the side. Yeah, it's just sort they're of fine. there. They're yeah. sort of there sparring with the special effects, and she's at the center of the thing, and she's really good in it. Mm-hmm. I do recommend it. It's a fun movie, and you're right. Yeah. It's uh, I wouldn't call it a family film, but it's more in that vein, <laughs> and and a fun little uh, um, Bruce. Uh, come on. It's gone now. Uh, Bruce Dern, <laughs> a, a cool little Bruce Dern cameo in there too. Is the he's the ground? Keeper. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, so we're coming down. Are we now on our last? I just did my so that was yours. So, Seth, you have one left. Uh, yeah, Chris, did you say you you were on your last one there? Yeah, that was my last one. Okay, so. I will, before I go into my last one, I will just give kind of a roundup. I have kind of created a, a bigger list just to make sure I didn't miss out on anything here. Um, but a few other ones I'll just quickly mention before I go into my last pick here. Um, Serial Mom by John Waters. Uh, that's <laughs> not really a scary movie, but I think that's that's a lot of fun. Um we also say uh, what we do in shadows. If you are looking for kind of more of a, a horror comedy, that's that's a good one to watch with some friends. Um, very very Creek. funny. Uh, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's directed by Takeda. I think I can't remember what his last name is, but he's doing the new Thor movie. He also did Hunt for the Wilder People. It's a really good awesome. movie. Um, what we are. We are what we are, which is kind of like yes. a cannibal film. That's, That's great. a really good movie. Now is that um, so? There were two of them, right? There's a Spanish film, but this one was yes. directed by Jim Mickle and Nick Dimitri, yes. who did uh, Mulberry Street. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this one was which, good. I like and, it. And I think I think this one is the the better version. Honestly, I've seen both of them. But the American I, I version. This version. Um, the other one I will say there's two other ones I'll say before I get to my final pick is uh, Willow Creek, which was kind of a Bigfoot found footage film directed by <laughs> Bobcat Goldthwait, and uh, As Above, So Below, which is another found footage film that is not really great, but it's got some fun scares in it if you're going to be watching it with a group of people. But my last that choice... takes place in the Paris catacombs is the main yes. draw of that film. Yeah, um, but my last choice um, is. Uh, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Now, this nice. is a kind of it's it's kind of a mockumentary um, and mixed with like a horror film, which it kind of turns into in the last yep. half of this film. Um, this movie is something I've been championing for years since I've seen it. <clears throat> it came it came out around at the same time as another film called Hatchet, which also kind of got a lot of praise, but I didn't really care for that movie. Mm-hmm. But I really liked Behind the Mask. This movie is, yeah, that was good. It's it's hilarious. Like I, I laughed so hard during this movie, but also it's got some, it's, it's kind of like a, 
it follows a a guy who wants to be kind of the next Michael Myers or Freddy, and and these all all these different horror icons actually live in this world that they're building. Um, this is uh, it's just so much fun. There's so much kind of insight. They they talk about like how serial these killers are able to sneak up on you or you know walk fast if you're running. Um, there, it's just so much fun to have mm-hmm. with this film. Um, and then the main performance, I think his name is Nathan Basil, um, who plays Leslie Vernon. He is he's great in this film. He kind of reminds me of almost yeah. like a uh, a horror version of Jim Carrey or something like that. Totally. But, uh, it, this is just if if you haven't seen it, this is a great film. I, I know they were trying to get a sequel done years ago, but that kind of fell through. Um, but if you haven't seen it, definitely check this one out. I'm kind of glad it fell through, honestly, because it's such a, a singular yeah. movie. It would have been hard. It, it's also one of the few cases I can think of a movie that like telegraphs what kind of genre it's in, but really has a genre flip because mm-hmm. you're kind of watching what is a kind of breezy comedy that's knowingly about horror movies, the way a movie like The Final Girls, which I enjoy, mm-hmm. was just kind of like a straight comedy. Yeah. You know? But Leslie Vernon kind of does finally flip the script and become a horror movie, become the kind of horror movie it's sort of like spoofing a little bit. Like, yeah. it gets kind of intense, I think, towards yeah. the end. Like, yeah. it goes towards like a man bites dog sort of thing, and then. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. It, but it, 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 it's a little bit more. Um, jovial than it. Yes. And it's weird to say that this movie's good natured, but this movie it is like it has it a is. kind of a it's good nature like to it. The, the Leslie Vernon character is almost like the friendliest guy you could possibly meet, and he's like a <laughs> and kid, he's just like, he's a, like a kid in a sandbox. And I think that I, I guess maybe I should, not a spoilers. I'm assuming that when you mentioned that Creep Two is like a movie on this list, it's this movie that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's so, and and the, yeah. the simple fact you made the comparison actually does make me want to watch Creep Two now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fun, and you know how a lot of times you'll get movies that will hire actors that are horror icons, and they'll put them in a movie, and you get excited, you're like, "Oh, this!" Is... But you know they're just going to show up in a tat, tired, sad scene. Mm-hmm. Right. This is a movie that actually makes good use of Robert England. You know what yes. I mean? Like, and 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 kind of. Castman Scott Wilson has Zelda really, Rubenstein too. Yeah, Zelda. That's right. I forgot she's in the yeah. Zelda Rubenstein's movie. Scott Wilson is probably one of my favorite cameos in this movie. The role He's that great. he plays, like what he, <laughs> who he, he is. This was this was before his Walking Dead days yeah. when like most people started to to know who he was. He's an He's, underrated actor too. He has a lot he of. Um, he, he's really good. I'm. Um, and funny because I uh, anyone who's seen the OA like he and Alice Cridge play. Um, the pair of parents right. together. I was like, wow, it's neat to see any kind of movie where Alice Critz and Scott Wilson get to play off of each other and, and other actors. But, um, uh, yeah, that's a great, yeah, that, that's almost like, if you got to say, if you've not seen this movie and you yeah, want to get everyone together, yeah. like that's the movie, that's the movie to watch. Like pull that one yeah. out. I'm not saying it's, it, go ahead. I feel like, I feel like this does better in a way when you're when you're talking about genre flipping, I think this is better in a way than what people uh, hailed Cabin in the Woods for. Like I think Cabin in the Woods has one standout scene in it, but I think it, it shows its hand too too quickly, and it just kind of gets to that point where it's like it's not. It, it wants to be a horror movie, but it's it's not scary whatsoever. But whereas this one actually has some like tense moments in it, I think mm-hmm. this does it better in the way that I, I think Cabin in the Woods kind of failed at, for me personally at least. This is an overall good. I could movie. agree. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Cabin in the Woods, but I think you're absolutely right. This I think this does all of these movies kind of crash up against the the shore of that one. They're like 
Cabin in the Woods, Scream, and you know the Final Girls. Those movies you kind of put in that thing. Yeah, I like them all for different reasons, but they like this one was legitimately unique about the way it went yep. about mm-hmm. what it was doing. So absolutely, uh, yeah, great choice. Um, good choices all around. And then uh, my last movie is probably Disappointment because it's not actually a horror. Movie. I'm going to end this no, not a horror movie. Although, although before we go, I have to. So Chris did have another movie on his list. Which, which I'm going to mention because I think it's a fun movie. And it fits in with the kind of like schlocky, have a fun movie night. Deep Rising. Yeah. So, yeah. so have you seen Deep Rising, Seth? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Treat Williams. Yeah. <laughs> like, who, Treat it. Williams. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did you like it? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was like that period of the 90s where they had like, what was the other one? Um, the one that was in the museum. The Relic. The Relic. The relic. The relic. You know yeah. what? Let's just, the package, we package the Relic, the Mimic, Deep yeah. Rising. Um, mimic, totally. Yeah. Virus. V- virus. Oh, my virus God. Virus is maybe a little less... Less. Mm. I saw a virus at a theater, and I literally thought they had turned the projector off. It was so dark, <laughs> I was, and I was excited. I was like Jamie Lee Curtis. You know, they had a good yeah. cast on that one. And uh, oh my goodness, um, I did, this, did. We're about to add fifty minutes to this podcast. Um, <laughs> the, the relic is a lot of fun. Oh yeah, the yeah, relic and yeah. Deep Rising. Um, you know, you know, they, they, one of the things about those movies, they really knew to just go for broke with the schlock. Yeah. Like, there's stuff in those movies that's still a big budget monster movie still doesn't do. There's a scene in The Relic when it is chasing, like, a security guard or something, or, mm-hmm. or a soldier kind of, so SWAT team comes down from the rafters, and you see that fall, and the thing is chasing him like a buffalo. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's all from behind, and it grabs him and picks him up and just pops his head off with its pincers. Like, you don't see them do that in a movie. I mean, not normally. No. The, the tentacles in Deep Rising, so Deep Rising, I think Roger Ebert called it Eat the Titanic, is like, uh, because, <laughs> and the funny thing is it came, it was supposed to come out like the summer before Titanic, but it ended up coming up with, coming out within like a month of Titanic. Mm. Like it was like, this movie and Phantoms came out one week from each other. Oh, oh Phantoms. Oh Which God. is, throw that in there, just make it a quadrilogy <laughs> yeah. and then watch the faculty while you're at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, well, this is, this it reminds me of the time like because the internet was around, but it wasn't as popular like anywhere close to as popular as, as it was today. And this was like the time of like HBO First Look, where they would do like a behind the scenes like featurette like before these movies would come mm-hmm. out, and it gets you like hyped for all these kind like even these like schlocky movies like it would get you hyped for this kind of stuff. And like th- that was like part of the fun of it, like when you had like Fango magazine, like Fangoria yeah. and stuff like that, and you would see all and these like, things they made for it, yeah. yeah. Those days were fun. It's like you you kind of miss out on a little bit on some of that stuff anymore because it's so oversaturated. Saturated spoiler. With everything now. Yeah, spoiler. That had a fun cast. Like Famke Jansen was in it, yeah. and uh, Cliff Curtis. Um, I, um, also, um, Jamin Hansu was just coming off of Amistad, and he was yeah. also in this. He doesn't doesn't last. <laughs> Kevin J. O'Connor. This is Steven Summers who went on to do the Mummy and everything. Yeah, and then he kind of got sidetracked with Van Helsing. But I always thought, up until that point, I always thought he made kind of fun genre movies. Like I kind of looked forward I wish to what he, he was would doing. Make Deep Rising too, because I would love to see like a giant monster island, because that's where it was going towards. That's the like, end. The end of the movie. You know, I mean, Trent like, Williams was a lot of fun in that movie. Like he was a lot yeah. of fun. That yeah. was a goofy, fun movie. I liked it. Monster movie. I don't know if we had any like legit monster movies on our list. Well, we that's discussed the relic. Go. I think that's the king. The, re- the relic and the relic. deep rising. They're about on the same level. And the mimic. Mimic's probably a little bit better, but 
it's um it's not as just pure like silly fun. I don't. think. Yeah, that one's a, yeah. There's a little more to that one. Yeah, but I like I like all three of those movies, <laughs> and I lament that people are not as willing to throw money at these monster movies. <laughs> yeah. We need a new monster. Well, uh, yeah, or and just a fun monster movie. Just put you know, yeah. when was the last one we got something like that that had the feel of a movie like this that we were talking I can't about? Remember. The last it's monster movie time. I saw was called Monster. It was here. And it wasn't fun. It well, no, no. Like the last thing I can remember, even like this, and it had a little bit what you're talking about, where it's trying to be a little bit more, was the host. Like, that's the last big yeah. thing running amok that I can really think of. And it wasn't done in the same style exactly. Maybe pitch black. But, I mean, you know, like, it just... Yeah, yeah anyway. So my fine, but those are everything we mentioned that would make a fun Halloween movie. Yeah, would. I could st- maybe Deep Rising, Chris. <laughs> I, would, just, I would be fine. You're off Tuesday. Again. I'm off Tuesday. Let's <laughs> just watch all these movies. Uh, the final, the final movie of mine is. Um, I really like this a lot, and I, I know Chris, you've seen it. I said I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, not a horror film. It is a movie that Guillermo del Toro mentioned was inspirational to him when he did. Pan's Labyrinth and The Devil's Backbone. I know what you're talking about. Yes. I love this um, movie. The movie's done by Victor Arise. It's a Spanish language film from like 1972. It's called The Spirit of the Beehive. Seth, have you seen this movie? I have not seen this movie. Stop so, what you're doing right now. <laughs> it's um, it is on the uh, part of the Criterion Collection. You can get it. It's the other thing I'll say about this is Spanish language. Uh, it does have some titles. This is, I'm not going to say a family movie. It's not necessarily made to be a family mm-hmm. movie, but it could be a family movie. It is. There's nothing objectionable in it, really, at, at all. I don't, I don't recall um, there, yeah. Uh, Except it, the girls tripping on mushrooms at one point. <laughs> there's that. Very young young girls. But the I've, I've mentioned, and you can tell kind of from the gist of a lot of my movies, that I've mentioned this one and the and last year's when I mentioned Lady in White, you know, I mentioned Lady in White here and When to Go Here. This is another movie that deals with the perception of a child. But I wouldn't say it's a horror film. But the reason this movie's on the list, the reason it reminds me of Halloween, is the the, the plot involves. This is taking place during the Spanish Civil War, mm-hmm. not unlike you know Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. It's in a small village. This little girl. Um, so we're talking like the 30s, about 1931, 32, because. They bring the movie Frankenstein, the Mm -hmm. James Whale Frankenstein, to the town. She goes in, and she sits down in a little room with all these other kids and watches it for the first time. She's very young. I'd Mm -hmm. say she's like maybe five or six. Um, And she sees this movie, and she gets very freaked out by the Frankenstein monster. And when she goes back home, her little sister kind of tells, or her older sister tells her, oh, well, you know... He's actually a ghost, and he's da- he lives down by the bee- <laughs> he's a spirit of the bee. He's down beyond the beehives, down by the trees, and kind of tries to freak her out a little bit. And this movie is very much um, like a tone poem. Would that mm-hmm. be accurate to say, Chris? There's not it's a lot dreamy. of dialogue. Yeah. Uh, it's very visual. It um, I, I, I don't want to say Terrence. Ma- it, it it goes. It tries for the same things that Terrence Malick and his best movies tries for. Yeah, but I wouldn't call it Malick-esque yeah. because it's not. It's it's very much style. just directors, yeah. but it it's trying to capture the same thing, trying to tell you a lot of things through visual poetry. Mm-hmm. I think would be an accurate way to say yeah. it. So um, it's just very dreamy. Lots of scenes of these two little girls wandering across the landscape. You get this feeling of the magic of childhood. She eventually finds her way down, kind of past the beehives and down into the plains, and she does find this kind of broken hovel. And inside the hovel is a wounded soldier of the war, mm-hmm. and. 
in her mind, she kind of reconfigures him as a Frankenstein's monster, and all he really wants is a, a meal, you know, yeah. and not to be found out. So there's really not a lot more to the plot in in a, in a basic sense. Uh, it just sort of explores those feelings of childhood, and I, it's a really great movie, I think, for the autumn time frame because totally. of how rich the visuals are and the way it captures that like mm-hmm. feeling. It's just very. Um, it's almost like a warmth kind of exuding from the screen. Yeah, it's it makes me nostalgic for not a time period like oh I'm nostalgic for the eighties or anything like that, but nostalgic for for a certain kind of innocence of childhood. I mm-hmm. think, and then not that I even necessarily remember what that feels like, but just there is a, like a warmth is a good word, Chris. I, I think that like this is a movie that I'm going to say like is on the masterpiece level. Like everybody Absolutely, should really yeah. see this movie um, if it's you great. haven't. It's excellent, and it's not a very long movie. It's not, and and it's a very gentle movie in a lot of ways. Like mm-hmm. I say, it's um good. I I would. It's uh, probably not the movie you're gonna sit down on Halloween and watch, but I would definitely recommend it. And it's good for this like time frame. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, Spirit of the Beehive, and well um, worth your time. Yep. So I think that's uh that's about it. Unless you guys have any other things to mention. I'm good. The only other, the only other one I thought of um, that would be another good for kids. If you're, if you're gonna have your kids, you know, they have friends over for a Halloween party or anything like that. Um, I don't know if you guys mentioned this on the last podcast, but uh, Monster House. I think that's a pretty that's our, fun yeah, that was good. Movie. No, that's good. I thought you were gonna. I, I was certain. I was you thinking you were gonna say Suspiria. Well, <laughs> and, and you mentioned Suspiria on the last one. on there. So, and I will. I'll throw a thing out there. I guess it's like seamless. Yeah shameless self-promotion but i the overlooked horror movies that we did last year is a really good list of movies there's a lot of really good stuff on there so like i think if you're sitting there listening to this that that last one was good too but i thought for sure seth that you were gonna do another one of these deals where you did like when you said oh the great horror film the hottie and the naughty like i was (laughs) i was for certain that the next movie out of your mouth was gonna be like uh fireproof well, he said the kids' movie is children was, will love the human centipede. Yeah, it, it's like <laughs> like children will enjoy the horror film. It takes two, you know. I don't know, like something uh, like a. But Monster House is is fun. Um, yeah. Is that the one where they had the little kid whose name was Chowder? Something yeah. along yes. those lines. Yeah. This is and, uh, chugging Dan Mountain Dew the whole time. The guy who created a community in Rick and Morty. Um, this is one of his first. I think it was his fourth. Oh, community. I didn't realize he worked on that. Mm. On yeah, because I knew that the director was the guy who like was. This was kind of disappointing to me. He went on. Um, uh, the director who did Montrose went on to do the Poltergeist remake, and I was oh. always like, he seemed like the perfect person to do it. Yeah, but um, Monster House is fun, and that's someone that I will sit down and watch with my kids, and you can. And Kathleen Turner voices the Monster House. Steve Buscemi is a creepy name. I realized when I was like, I was looking through movies because um, I was coming up with some other ones that I, I liked back in like the the nineties, like Ed and His Dead Mother with Steve Buscemi. But there's not a lot of there are happy not a people lot of, live forever. Happy people yeah. never die. Yes, <laughs> there's there's not a lot of horror films that actually take place around Halloween. Like there's 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 a list there, but it's not like a huge list. Like we need more horror like Halloween centric horror films to come out there. So listen to me now, directors, make some more Halloween centric horror films for me, please. I think D- Michael Doherty's next movie is going to be Trick or Treat too. I don't know how yeah. to feel about that, but I mean, yeah. honestly, for me, Creepshow and Trick or Treat, like if you're if you want something that's like Halloween centric, like yeah. check those two movies out. That's a good double header right there. 
Yeah, and, and of course the original Halloween is still a very good Halloween yeah. movie. House of the Devil is a fun one too mm-hmm. that takes place mm-hmm. yeah. on Halloween. Um, and outside of that, really, I mean, you don't really, you don't really have a lot. The one I, um, there was one that we tried to watch a couple years ago called, um, what was that called with the kids? The ki- the uh, Hellions. Like that oh, was yeah, that super was disappointing. It was directed by Bruce McDonald, who did um, Pontypool. Took place at Halloween. Seemed like it was going to be really good, and it was not. So. That's a shame because Pontypool is really good. Pontypool is a really yeah. good movie, and I, I can't remember if we mentioned it last last time or not, but it was good. So, well, anyone, anyway, everyone, have a great, happy Halloween. Uh, if you have any of your own thoughts or own movies you want to add to this list, uh, hit us up at the Facebook page or at our. Uh, in the show notes I will have our email address and everything you can contact us that way and have a great evening take care bye thanks everybody